It's Trevor Donjene here on All Things Africa. Folks, welcome back on a lovely, lovely Lekka Lekka Freitag. Friday evening, the 16th of July, 2021. We're going to get started here in just a couple minutes. Chance for people to call in. We can take seven callers at a time here on All Things Africa. Share your thoughts and concerns about the events that have unfolded in KwaZulu-Natal and in the Hauteng provinces over the past two weeks in South Africa. We've just seen the president of South Africa, Cyril Ramaphosa, go on and claim that he had it all under control. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Now sit back and enjoy the lovely sounds of Trevor Dungeon. Trevor Donchenay here on All Things Africa. Trevor Donchene, folks, here on All Things Africa. This is Chris White coming to you live from central Pennsylvania here on the All Things Africa live streaming podcast. Welcome into the channel. We're going to get started here in just a moment. Your opportunity to call in and join the stream and offer your thoughts, your concerns, your prayers, your hopes, your complaints about the events unfolding in South Africa over the past two weeks. 
as we finally see the president of South Africa discover where the province of KwaZulu-Natal is today, rushing down there, pun intended, there's no rush to it. The Ramaphosa shows up in South Africa almost two weeks too late. Anyway, folks, with that, go ahead and feel free to call in at this point. Welcome to All Things Africa. This is Chris coming to you live from central Pennsylvania. Looks like we have a lot of the usual suspects here with us tonight. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I think Brett tried to call in a moment ago. Uh, feel, Folks, feel free to call in. I missed that uh, opportunity to take his call. But we're talking about uh, what's happening. Nice nine-day rush. That's right, Cameron. A nice nine-day rush on his part. He really put a lot of effort into it, didn't he, getting down there to KwaZulu-Natal as the province descended into total chaos Total chaos, organized, orchestrated, an intentional effort to make the province ungovernable. Okay, I think we've got Brett here. Okay. Oh, okay. All right, Brett, uh, if you're still there, I'm... Oh, I'm still here. Thank you very much for having me, Chris. Yeah, um, I have friends in Durban that I met when I was in South Korea. So far, they're fine, but um, it is, uh, it's, you know, chaotic over there. They um, but but fortunately, one thing I did like that SABC covered. I have to give SABC credit. The um, the, the there are communities that are banding together against the looting. Yeah, that's true, and um, that's been going on since the first couple nights of these events. That's true, uh, but they've been portrayed uh, by racists within the ANC in a negative fashion, even though the groups doing it are black, Indian, and white who have been banding together to protect their communities. Oh, yeah. And one thing I did want to ask you, Chris, is why did the stupid mayor of Durban ban barricades? Those barricades is what keeping the looters out. Well, you have to ask yourself the question, Brett, does the mayor of Durban actually want communities protected or only his communities protected? I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, you have to ask yourself that question at some point. What's going on here? Why is it that they're removing barriers? Well, I mean, honest, first off, the barriers aren't legal. Let's be honest. People erecting barriers, blocking tra- the traffic are not exactly doing something legal. So to fair enough. But there are more pressing concerns about illegality taking place in KwaZulu-Natal than a few barriers put up by civil defense groups trying to protect their neighborhoods because there's no law enforcement. A, a more pressing issue would be to actually organize, resource, and get law enforcement and the military to take control of vital nodes and key infrastructure and then push back and protect neighborhoods. But they're not doing that. Uh, so you have to ask yourself, what is the goal here? Anything with the African Nationals Congress is immediately subject to question. Everything is suspect with the ANC. And so you have to wonder what's going on there. Folks, if you want to call in, feel free to call in and join us. If you want to air your grievances or share your thoughts, your experiences, if you've been involved in this, I know Erica was deep in the heart of this, as were some other people in Peter Meritzburg. If you want to call in, feel free to call in on this All Things Africa. Brett, uh, thanks for sticking with the channel. I appreciate you being a loyal viewer and also appreciate Super Chats you've been able to do on the YouTube channel. Thanks for following us here. It's always nice to uh, hear from you down there in the deep, deep south. Yeah, one thing I did want to um, also ask you, I have to give the SABC credit on this. The, uh, they did film the Sandef who was patrolling the Alexandra town, uh, I think Alexandra, out in the malls over there. And those malls, fortunately, the ones that were filming haven't been looted. So fortunately, um, the Sandef was doing some things. They said their primary goal, though, was to back up the police, that the police um, have to be the main force. But... I think you just need to call in whoever you can. I mean, it is it's it should be a state of emergency right now with South Africa. I was doing other things. I didn't have a chance to see all of Cyril's speech, but did, did he declare state of emergency? Uh, he did not. 
He did not. He said that's a last resort. And to be fair, given that the government has done nothing thus far to protect its citizens, it, it's really not an appropriate step, I suppose, if your argument is it should be the last step. <laughs> okay. Oh, and it, the thing has been reported in U.S. media. I don't know if we've gotten different Google feeds or what, but I've gotten plenty of news in South Africa on U.S. media sources with the Washington Post, the CNN, and um, – Washington Post, CNN, Fox News has reported it. Tucker's reported it. Tucker did a good objective job. But then they, Washington Post, now granted, most Americans don't know about South Africa. I will give it that. But they allowed, you know, snake in the grass, wolf in sheep's clothing, Eusebius McKaiser to write the opinion piece on what's going on in South Africa. And that's just going to mislead a bunch of Americans. I wish people would contact you or contact Ronaldo because Eusebius does have some good points. And he is smart. He's not as smart as he thinks he is. He ain't half as smart as he thinks he is. But anybody who has been in contact with Eusebius or has read his books have a bad creep vibe from him. I've read his book, Bantu, in my bathroom. And it is, I mean, the dude is freaky. But go ahead. Yeah. Now, I have his book there. Uh, now, it, the thing is, Eric will be joining us in just a moment. She's on the channel now. But let me let me make two comments about that. If McKaiser is your source of news and analysis for U.S. news, then it's no better than no news. It's actually worse. It does harm. <laughs> so that's the first thing. The second thing is that, Brett, I'm the one that reported there was no mainstream coverage of it because there wasn't. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. Around day seven, the mainstream media in the U.S. started picking up the story. It should have been wall-to-wall -wall coverage from day two or day three of these events. There's no excuse for it not being wall-to-wall -wall coverage before that. And so I'm one of the people that was reporting. And I actually showed images on my videos from two or three days ago of the current news from all these major outlets, from the Washington Post, from the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, the Atlanta Constitution Journal, the LA Times, all of them. Not a damn story on it. And then from the UK, the Telegraph, the Guardian, from Germany, the Frankfurt Allgemeine Zeitung, Spiegel, from France, Le Monde, and all these sites, not a single story about the events unfolding in South Africa five and six days after it started. An insurrection, an organized insurrection, which is dismissed as hungry people looting because they lost their jobs in lockdown. That is the biggest propaganda lie I've heard since Joseph Stalin and East Germany. It's ridiculous. It's utterly... Oh, yeah. well. I'm people, a lot of the people protecting the malls and protecting the restaurants and stuff were either people who had lost their jobs due to the COVID or had had their hours cut back and didn't want to lose their jobs completely. And that is... I mean, it was vaguely reported by the SABC on that. Yeah, that's that's part of it too. But it's just it's just utter nonsense. I suppose that's not true. The choosing of November twentieth might be the biggest propaganda since Joseph Stalin. But let's get to Erica. Erica lives in KwaZulu Natal, and she's been on the front lines of this. Uh, she was pretty knackered yesterday, overtired from the exhaustion of being on manning manning the barricades and working with people in her neighborhood and being a diminutive uh, little lady there dealing with these uh, big, strong, tall boars who have their own views on how things are done. Erica, how you doing? I'm still alive, Chris. And it's so crazy, crazy, crazy. We've been told to back down now. Went to a meeting this afternoon and in Brinkelstraat. And, um, and we've been told now to back down because all the shops, not all the shops, but... Um, Shops like Checkers and ShopRites and Woolworths and Chemists um, are opening their doors and we have to allow people to come in and shop. Now, our area is probably one of the very few remaining areas that is, has been untouched uh, because of the amazing courage 
of the community who has spent 24-7 hours, you know, well, hours and hours just manning all the key points and entry points into the community. And uh, it's, it's been incredible work um, and putting together by the community. So a lot of them are rather dismayed now to be told to back down, but it had to have happen eventually. Um, so it's going to be interesting tomorrow because we're going to get, get a lot of people from all over coming to our area to shop because all these shops are burned down. Yeah, and the queues are just going to be off the charts, and then the shelves are going to be bare within hours, and then where is the resupply going to come from? It's not going to be there. So if people haven't got something already in their cupboard or their shelves, it's going to be a real problem throughout KwaZulu-Natal. And contrary to what the uh, president of South Africa claimed on his speech recently, things have not returned to calm. As you said, there's still chaos, and there's still concerns across KwaZulu-Natal in particular. We saw last night after... Uh, some other YouTube personalities and the mainstream, fake stream, lamestream media in South Africa rushed to tell people that it was over, that Calm had returned. We saw the attack in the Lovu Sugar uh, Building uh, Factory or Warehouse, and then we also saw a shopping uh, shopping market destroyed last night. It is not over. It is not under control. The 10,000 of the 25,000 authorized sand def on the ground are not sufficient. We don't even know if they have ammunition, let alone what their rules of engagement are. And so we don't know if they're even authorized to use deadly force to stop murderous thugs. And we saw last night, I showed a video of a group of uh, thieving bastards who stole things and ran a checkpoint. Apparently, they must have had um, drive on you know, flat tires because they kept going, and they managed to get to the next checkpoint before they finally got stopped, and this family was arrested, and they said they were hungry. That's why they looted. A truck full of frozen meats and foods, energy drinks, and oh, yes, Vintok Lager, because we all know that when you're hungry, the, the, the uh, hops that goes in Vintok Lager keeps you safe and fills your belly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I have a, I have a question for is, is your community armed? Have they been able to get firearms? Are they able to get firearms? No. Okay. Mm. They were yeah. they were arming most of the people were arming themselves with golf golf uh, clubs. Uh, we've got a new guest in here, and the username is Zwy seven seven seven. Got nice dreads. I don't recognize who that is. Welcome, Zwy. Hi guys, how you doing? Fine. Like I like the photo. Where 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 are you from? I'm from Cape Town, South Africa, close to Gooks. Okay, uh, cool. So how's it going? What's your thoughts? Uh, Have you been been paying attention to events been, unfolding to the east? I've been, man. I've been quite a lot. YouTube, news, DSTV, ENCA, newsroom, SABC, whatever I can get my eyes on. And so I can ask you a can I ask you a question if I don't mean to put you on the spot? Sure, go ahead. Don't mind. Um, what's what's your ethnicity? I, I can't guess from the tiny little photo. Um, or which 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 your background or your um, what's your first language, if you don't mind? Okay, uh, fair enough. Um, I'm a closer person, and I okay, that was that, that was that was that was my guess, but it's hard to tell from a tiny little icon. <laughs> Well, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you join us. Um, so uh, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? What's going on? Too much, man. It's, it's, it's too much. And 
where I'm from, where I'm from I kind of understand, understand both sides, both sides but, but at the end of the day, I see it as a propaganda of which the ones who are pushing it, the guys in the background, as I prefer to call them, yep. um, are manipulating the society as a whole, right? Yeah. The, the impoverished, like if this was to happen to my community, I would not participate because I kind of understand the repercussions mm-hmm. as what tomorrow may be like. And I feel that whatever that they're doing, even if there's legit reasons that they feel should be listened to, I think that they're going about it the wrong way because it's what what's 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 this crime, man? There's, what's the, what's to be gained? Who who can be gained like, from this? I think is what you're getting crime, at, right? Yeah, I feel that the the Zuma people. Ah, let me put it this way: it's a win-win situation on both ends. Right, mm-hmm. the ones who loot, right? I imagine it's people who lost their jobs, people who can't find jobs, people without any adequate form of education for them mm-hmm. to do something in their lives, right? And mm-hmm. the people who are pushing it, of course, they have they have the agenda, so they instigate whatever the, you know, whatever needs to be said to the impoverished people, and then the impoverished people see that okay, look. I can get food at no budget. Food that can maybe last me 60 days, mm-hmm. 90 days. So the looters, they benefit that way. And the instigators, they benefit in a sense that news coverage is going to be there. Right? Mm-hmm. They feel that they may feel that they have the country by the balls. Sorry for cussing or use your personal language. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Have, it's, it's fine. <laughs> they have the country in that way that there is fear, there's fear mongering that they're doing, and they are sending their message that way. So that's why well, I feel that it's a win-win situation. But at the end of the day, it's 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 a chaotic thing mm-hmm. that's gonna set back the country. I don't know. And if it continues, it's it, it's it, it's bad if it continues. It's it's bad if it continues, man. No, absolutely. That's why those that's well stated. You've got some good points. And, Lots um, of good comments coming from, in I'll, here. I'll, what I want, Lots. Go ahead. Yeah, what I wanted to say is that in my neighborhood here in Cape Town, like it, it, it's a bit tense, man, because I live in a black neighborhood and mm-hmm. I walk from home. So when I stepped out to go to the mall to buy a few groceries, all of a sudden people are surrounding the mall because in my head I was thinking, maybe this is a Zulu thing. Maybe, in, in, in my thoughts, I was 100% that this is a Zulu thing and all of that. And then, mm-hmm. till earlier this week, Monday or Tuesday, I got a WhatsApp message, basically people saying that, you know, these people are out there doing their thing and they're getting TVs. Basically, it's a person who sees the crime benefit of it, that mm-hmm. people are getting these things and all of that, and why are we chilling and not making moves? Try ah. to just go for it. Why are, we know, miss, why are we, we missing our opportunity? We have... Yeah, yeah. just, just like... to add on to what Zwai was talking about, he okay. made a lot of valid points, 
but one thing I wanted to say is, and I don't condone looting or anything like that, but the looters, if they were tired of the COVID and acted out there from the COVID restrictions, the ban on gatherings had been lifted. I mean, the, you know, that, that sends a bad precedent to saying looting's okay, which is not. But back to what Tvi had to say there. Let's just let's cover a few things. Some really great points there. Some gr- people in the chat uh, really uh, agreeing with what you had to say there. One hundred percent, Tvi. So really well thought out. But but the point here is that um, yes, there are people who are hungry. But you don't steal truckloads of of Vintoke Lager and coffins and forklifts and take out telecommunications towers and poison water supplies and disrupt water supplies and stop roads and loot warehouses and burn them to the ground. Looting is one thing, but the intentional malicious arson is quite something else. Uh, some of those fires, one might be able to argue were an accident, but Molotov cocktails are not an accident. That's that's a positive step of violence insurrection taken by people. This is orchestrated as I think you're kind of getting at why, but um, they're taking advantage of people. But a lot of the people involved in the looting why, to be fair, are not, poorly educated they're not poor they're driving around in cars that they own or cars that they've stolen and they are filling up their houses we see videos of people laughing having three refrigerators in their home they have electricity there full of meat and when that meat's gone in two weeks they're going to be very hungry uh, so it's it's a whole combination of things and um i get your concerns why you're you're i think you're concerned that um it may spread elsewhere because people are like look we've missed our opportunity look at all these people they just they're stocked up on everything now and I think this has a lot to do with the permissive uh, attitude that the government has allowed when it comes to the rule of law. They haven't taken it seriously. Criminals are not prosecuted effectively or at all for their crimes in South Africa. The only people to go after are the easy people. They don't go after the serious criminals. So anyway, it's why that's I uh, appreciate your comments. Uh, anything else you want to add there? It's why. No, not much, man. I just bought into the podcast. I thought it was it was one of the others that I follow, and then uh-huh. South Africa. Let me go ahead it and um, yeah, guys, thanks for the content. Uh, no, thanks. And I can thanks. Keep it anytime. Okay, um, thanks a lot, Why It's a pleasure. Yeah. But you're welcome to stay in the call, or you can pop back in if you want at some time. And thanks for popping in. Yeah, this is uh, there's another podcast called All Things Africa, which uh, was created after mine. It only has a couple of subscribers, so um, he might be uh, might be one he was talking about. But yeah, this this podcast is something I created last year around the same time that I created my Chris White Africa YouTube channel. And uh, that channel with 22,000 subscribers was poof magically, courtesy of PooTube. And we created a new Chris White Africa. So we're on YouTube, but we're also here on All Things Africa. And normally coverage is about the entire continent. But these live streams tend to be focused on South Africa because a lot of the people who come over and join uh, this channel uh, are from my audience's base in South Africa. So uh, let's see. Uh, Erica... You, you've had a lot of people out there defending your neighborhood, but that's been happening all over. Yeah. We've seen neighborhoods in Peter Maritzburg. We've seen neighborhoods uh, all over Durban and in other locations band together. We had Hermann Roos calling to the show the other day yeah. out in under, on Underberg. He was on holiday. He picked a bad time <laughs> to, go, to go to de Natal to take a holiday, but he went to de Natal on holiday and then it all hell broke loose. So uh, he, he got out of there quickly uh, before Friday and got home safely. But um, this civil defense effort now, now, as I mentioned, Erica, on my on the channel, when we mm. saw this happen, I warned that vigilante groups would form and that civil defense groups would form. And then I cautioned people against um, meeting out justice. Now, there's been a little bit of that, but I don't think yeah. you've seen any of that where you're at. But the meeting out of justice has been quite bad in a couple locations. But by and large, overwhelmingly, civic groups have followed the law, like the video I showed earlier from the security services who stopped 
private security who stopped uh, looters and waited for the police. They didn't beat them. They didn't shoot them. They didn't murder them. They simply stopped them with their stolen goods and waited for saps to arrive. That has been overwhelmingly the reaction, although there's been some bad things with folks burning informal settlements in Peter Maritzburg. But beyond that, most of this has been restrained. Would you agree? Yeah, uh, definitely here as well. And uh, the courage of the people have been amazing. And the, uh, let me try and say this right, camaraderie of the people. Um, people were, you know, standing shoulder to shoulder um, and, and building up friendships across all races. That's been the most incredible thing. You know, they were, we're all in this together. We're all fighting this together. So instead of this dividing us, it is uniting us, which is the most incredible gift that I have seen coming to us uh, through this. ANC hasn't divided us through this. It, it, they have united us as a people of South Africa. Most of us are tired of this. Um, I'm sitting here in my room. I could smell smoke again. I could smell that Ilova mill last night. As you were talking, I could smell that sugar smell in the air. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. It's It's just crazy, crazy, crazy times. No, absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's just crazy stuff. Well, we've got uh, Andre just called in. Uh, that's why I dropped off, but I think he's still going to listen to the stream. And thank you for the call in, so I appreciate it. And we've got Tuli Panza Kunene. Kunene. I haven't seen that name in a while. Uh, she's also in the in the uh, audience now. But go ahead, uh, Andre. Yeah. Can you guys even hear me there? Absolutely. Yeah. We hear you perfectly. Five by five. Oh <laughs> uh, well, that's great because on because on my side I'm out on on the KZN South Coast, but the lower South Coast is towards Port Edward. Okay, um, and it's also it's been. I mean, Port Edward was absolutely decimated uh, about oh. three nights ago. There's nothing left of the town. Um, every shop in town on the main road, everything was looted, and um yeah it was it, it it's it, it was it's a terrible thing to see now we're about 12 k's from there in between port edward and port shepston um oh, right wow. on the south coast and yeah i mean it's uh, yeah you go to I mean we're on a very small secluded little little patch of of heaven right on the coast and i mean being kind of re- removed from bigger communities um, the people that are out here are basically newlyweds and nearly dead. So <laughs> newlyweds and nearly dead. <laughs> How are you ne- nearly dead? <laughs> um, the thing is, the people the people that come out here are, are all the people that that take their retirement their retirement money and whatever they save through all their lives, and they buy uh, a patch of land here. They put up log cabins. They put up sm- like smaller houses. Um, mm. And just because, I mean, because of the quality of life down here was so much slower, and 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 your the, the cost of living down here was also very affordable. But so now you have these concentrations of where there are older people living, and it's not. I mean, in a, in in a bigger community like in Port Port Chips and Proper or um, out towards the uh, places like Margate, where there's a bigger community, you have. Mm-hmm you feel kind of more protected because there are more people around you. But out here, yes. I mean, it's, you're, you're, you're pretty secluded. So if, if the fit were to hit the shan, 
I mean, you don't, <laughs> you don't always have um, the backup out here that, that people in the, in the, in the big towns and communities have. So, I mean, you go to bed at night and you don't know if you're going to wake up um, with, with the, the cold winter, winter weather all of a sudden changing to a, a, a very nice warm orange glow around you. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you real quick there, Andre. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, so Port Edward was like right on the border. You abut the border between the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal down the south coast there. And I think you guys aren't too far from Margate. You're pretty close to Margate, right? Yeah. Yeah, like where we're situated is is like probably like halfway between Margate and and Port Edward. So, okay, yeah. No, and I meant Port Edward is not too far from uh, Margate. No, 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 no. No, No. yeah, Port Edward's, let's say, about – about 30, 30 clicks out from Margate. So it's, I mean, that's it's, pretty it's far cool. down. That's pretty far down. I didn't expect it, to be that far south. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I mean to, and it's, it's, let's say probably about another 20 k's or so towards, then you're, then you're at the border. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty far south, but also you have to remember that uh, a lot of the rural communities live, live around this area. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if if and 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 the the sheer numbers of the people that do live out here that are impoverished, it's astounding. So at the moment, mm. yes, I mean, the major looting spots were shopping malls and industry. But I mean, in the back of your head, you have always that little niggling feeling about when's it going to turn towards the residences, yep. and especially soft targets. Yep. With older people. Well, that's something I pointed out nights ago to warn people. That's the concern you have to be. And now as we go forward, now that so many places are just, I mean, towns are just obliterated. There's nothing. And so uh, not only are the towns obliterated from a retail standpoint, but they've destroyed warehouses. They've destroyed shipping centers. They've destroyed uh, part of the port in Durban. They have caused such chaos that the supply chain system will be disrupted for months and best case. So people are going to go hungry. We already, you know, I, I mentioned this before we even saw the video that's now circulated everywhere. I said, cause I used to be a dairy farmer. My first thought is, well, you know, what's going to happen to the milk? I mean, you have to milk the cows every day. You're going to mm-hmm. have to waste the milk. Um, and we've I, now I, seen Clark, Chris, have any taxis been looted or, or set on fire? I haven't known that. And have any farms been burnt to the ground? Yeah. Lots of farms. Burnt. Yeah. Lots of farms. Burnt. Yeah. Um, I, I actually saw, I actually saw uh, reports, of a farmer that says in the space of 12 hours, every every piece of livestock that he had on his farm, now this is cows, um, cows, goats, chickens, everything, it's gone. There's, there's, oh, no. it's, it's gone. Where um, was this, Andre? Um, it, I, I saw it on one of the South Coast, on one of the South Coast groups, I can't recall because... Um, I mean, I'm not a big, I'm not a big group guy. I'm very, I'm, mm. I'm very popular. I'm, I move in large groups of one. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, You're so, anti-social, I mean, I'm, 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 just admit it. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I, no, 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 it's, it's, it's not something that I have to admit. It's, it's not something I feel guilty about. <laughs> <laughs> well, well like give Jack it to Reacher Sun. On the, you're like Jack Reacher on those uh, Lee Child novels. Marching yeah, yeah, no. Given society yeah, well, in South Africa, it's understandable to be antisocial. I mean, if yeah. I, Chris, if I had to, if I had to choose a, a personal icon, it would be the Gadsden flag. Um, so just to give you, an, <laughs> to give you an idea, 
Um, but yeah, uh, the Jack Reacher thing actually pretty close. I'm six. I'm 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 six five. I'm six five and a little bit over. Well, maybe a little bit too far over a hundred kilos. But yeah, but, but so. <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm difficult to miss in the crowd. So blending in doesn't work. Um, so, but yeah, that's it's. I'm not a group guy. I don't like all these Facebook groups and 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 and, and WhatsApp groups and stuff. But after after this week, I mean, it's 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 not a nicety. It's a necessity. You have to get connected as far and wide as you can, yeah. just to keep yeah. informed. And the misinformation that's also spread sometimes is <sighs> uh, it it. it, it now, like I said, with the, with the nearly deads and newlyweds in where I live, can you imagine the WhatsApp groups from some of these some of these old thunnies that just go nuts? Well, I think a, well, you probably want to be one of those groups to make sure that you can get the blue hair dye from the tunnies, tell you which stores to purchase it in. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but but I, mean, I, I tried to join those groups under a pseudonym because if they actually knew who I was, I might get roped into into little tasks that I'm not up to doing. There you go. But, uh, you know, it's uh, Andre, you mentioned farms. There's been no yeah. reporting whatsoever on what's happening farms. The only thing I've come across is a few uncorroborated, um, you know, veldt fires sort of things that took place the first couple of nights, but there has been no reporting whatsoever on farms. Also, no reports about um, any any farm attacks. And, and you, I mean, it would seem virtually impossible that the syndicates that are responsible for it and the others that do it wouldn't be taking advantage of this and attacking farms. So I'm very concerned that when this is all over when I mean all over when some degree of, of, of normalcy and law and order is restored we're going to find out that people have been butchered in their farms and I'm very frightened that that's a very possi- a big possibility well well one thing that happened is in the last couple of years because of um, I mean I'm going to just say the the absolute attacks on on the farming community mm-hmm. those people have they have they have reached a level of readiness that 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 wasn't needed let's say 20 25 years ago so, um, yes, I mean, they are more aware they have patrols, but I mean, I've spoken to two gentlemen personally that do, that do live out on the farms that have actually confirmed that, yes, some of the farms were infiltrated, were attacked, mm-hmm. um, livestock were stolen, um, they did attempt to burn a couple of places, um, and, and, I mean, one, one guy actually showed me a video of where they went to a uh, 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 an elevated position with their weapons shooting over the heads of these guys just to to keep them at bay so yes it's it, it, it's it's real and chris i mean not hearing any any reports on what happens on south africans farm is about par for the course is it not well not hearing about it in the west and only hearing limited reporting is Hearing very limited reporting in South Africa, but hearing no reporting. I mean, even even um, with uh, Daryl Richter recently being murdered on uh, patrol in the Eastern Cape, that was reported not widely, but I'm getting no reports. Gosh, bless it. Somebody's coughing. I'm getting no reports not of any me. attacks because I track I track these things and I report on them. The, the, sorry, the cough was me. Um, oh, I'm okay. sitting outside in the cold. I'm sitting outside in the cold. Give a brother a break. Quit smoking. Quit smoking. Chris, the fact that I smoke saves lives every day. 
I knew, I knew you were a smoker. I knew it. Yeah, well, uh, Andre, you are keeping, I don't smoke, but you are keeping uh, tobacco farmers and tobacco manufacturers employed. So I guess you're keeping people uh, off public assistance by smoking. Uh, well, I, I think it's my civic duty to do my little bit. You know what I'm saying? There uh, you go. Uh, well, we've, we've, uh, got a new, we've got a new call in. Let me interrupt you there real quick, Andre. So Paul go for is it. just calling Go for in. it. Paul, what's the word? Hello, Chris. Uh, I just wanted to join in. Um, I actually just have a question for Erica. And uh, mm -hmm. with this whole thing, with the farm thing, come on, it's South Africa. They, the ANC won't allow reports about farm murders and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and farms burning down. Um, but my question for Erica is, uh, um, when you were asked to uh, basically disassemble your roadblocks that saved your malls and everything, was there any was there any uh, police presence where you had to go? And how how many police that or army guys did you actually see before you had to leave your outpost? If I can put it like that. Well, we still at our at our posts now, and um, and we get to stay there until tomorrow morning. Um, but we were told the army is not coming to us. Because we we defended our area so well, we they they not need us here, but now so, we've got to so go they, home. So they basically said, uh, no, you don't need to protect your area without yes. supplying any without supplying any um means of protection. Without yeah, yeah, it's it's you see, it's it's such a corrupt government. I'm sorry, I have to say it. It's, I can't they hear put it you. out on the news. Uh, Chris and uh, what's his name? I uh, just say that yeah, they saw on SABC and everything's under control and everything. Mm -hmm. But you basically saved your stuff, and they told you, uh, okay, you don't, you're not needed anymore. But they don't give any alternative towards it. Exactly. Correct. This is what yeah, we were told. So everybody's up in arms, and not they're not letting go very willingly. And I don't blame them. You know, they stayed there in the cold. You know, Durban doesn't get very cold, but it's quite a chilly winter this winter. It's, it, it's been it's been freezing here. I'm from the Free State. I'm I'm involved with farming community and everything, and it's it's been absolutely freezing here. Yeah, yeah. So you know. They've been defending their homes um, from marauders, and uh, the, and they were after our our, um, our um, shopping centre. You know, Toji Mall is a place where that very first bomb was let off. You know, right at the beginning of the when they started bombing in the apartheid era, ours was the very first one. So. Um, we are. We've always been a target, you know, in that way. Um, so the people, you know, the community has stand very firm. They've um, set up ramshackle um, um, barriers and things like that. But they keep the, the people out and they keep the area safe. And it's not just our area, but a lot of other communities have done the same. And uh, after doing that very bravely and sacrificially, we are now told that's it. Um, you, what you're doing is illegal. You've got to allow free, free flow of traffic and uh, go home. Well, to, well, be, fair, to, be, to be fair, Erica, I'm, as I've said all along, yeah. what people are doing is illegal. But in the, absence, in the absence of law enforcement and the threat to your neighborhood, 
you have little to no choice. I mean, are you supposed exactly. to sit around and watch the place burn? Now, that isn't endorsing it, but it's it's the reality is that if the government is incapable of protecting communities, which this government has done, then what are people supposed to do? So um, it's just like I said early on when, when we saw vigilante groups. I mean, listen, folks, I didn't show the videos, but I, this horrific video is somebody who was obviously attacked with a panga who was a looter, and they, they, they nearly severed his arm, the hand off or his elbow oh, and his leg. One. And then um, they a big chunk of his back was missing. I could see his lung inflating from the oh. backside. That's so. I mean, that sort of stuff was happening, but that was very limited. That was black on black mm-hmm. violence, by the way, that, where that happened. But very little of that was happening. We saw some Indians chasing people through a neighborhood and people freaking out about it. Um, now they weren't just shooting people randomly, and they were running around with an air pistol or air rifle. What I saw, but but the the beatings that took place at the end of that video that was off the charts, un- inappropriate. So. There's been a little of that going on, and I've just tried to discourage that, as other people have. But the government didn't try to discourage it. They didn't even recognize that groups were defending themselves or vigilantes was taking place until the last 36 hours, and suddenly they woke up to events. It's just – it's disgraceful, and there are dark elements involved here within Ramaphosa's faction, within the Zuma faction, the radical economic transformation faction. They're seeking to undermine governance in South Africa for their own means on both sides. Now Ramaphosa thinks he has carte blanche to do what he wants. And he doesn't really. He doesn't have that maneuver space. The ANC is a disaster. It's a dumpster fire. And it's a disgrace to the liberation struggle. What I don't get is people are so happy about the, 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 the defense force coming in. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. it's just the sheep welcoming, welcoming a different pack of wolves. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's honestly, that's, that's, that's with, with what we've grown used to. After COVID and after I mean, years of, of ANC rule, that's what we were thinking. Well, that's what I was thinking when I saw them coming in. You just have better organized, better armed wolves coming in yeah, to feed I, on the sh- Yeah, and I just want to add what Chris said, uh, disgrace to the liberation movement. I wish uh, Zwei was still called in to uh, to say this because Zwei said he's, uh, he, uh, he's trying to learn some Afrikaans. What the Soweto uprising was about was not trying to ban Afrikaans. They didn't care that white South Africans or, or people or colors were speaking it. Are people who wanted to speak it, they just didn't want it pushed upon them if they didn't want to speak it. And it has just been badly taken out of context with what has been going on and trying to kill the Afrikaans language. And it just makes me sick because um, I know some Afrikaans and it's a cool language. Folks, you're listening That's to All Things Africa. Folks, you're listening to All Things Africa podcast here on Podbean. This is Chris in Central Pennsylvania. Folks are welcome to call in and share their thoughts. We've had Brett, Erica, Andre, Paul, Cameron, and a short while ago we had Zwei on here sharing their views and thoughts about what's happening. Brett's in the U.S., but everybody else so far is in South Africa. Cameron has just called in. Let's uh, get a little feedback from Cameron. Chris, you're in the U.S. too. Brett, you probably missed this because you keep uh, cutting me off when I'm trying to run the show, but I'm actually the host. (laughs) (laughs) Cameron, go ahead. Yeah, my super chat's fun, that. (laughs) Go ahead, Cameron. Oh, cheeky. (laughs) Yeah, I've got a question for you, Chris. So now that the people know that they have got more strength than the police and army, (laughs) what is to stop them from carrying on? doing this later on yeah well it's actually and see you you raise a very good question and then uh, um, i'm going to jump back and get brett's feedback on this in a second but um cameron it's a very good question and this is what happens as i've been saying for months when you allow lawlessness to occur let's go back to 
Julius Malema's domestic terrorist threats against click stores, which, by the way, are a majority black owned business um, after an ad from the European branch comes down there. Somebody's got an echo there on my voice. But um, anyway, so so when he orders his minions to go out and attack clicks locations and they petrobomb one and attack 43 in total, no action has taken place. Nothing happens. So that's a clear message that you can do what you want. And then that's followed up by Seneca on the 20th of October when they show up by five to 8,000 bust in from Johannesburg and Hauteng, and they claim they're there to protect state property, the, on a, a ludicrous claim by the economic freedom fighters. And what do they do? They destroy rubbish bins, concrete rubbish bins, by the way. It takes effort to break those things. They rip down street signs that are posted in Afrikaans in, in a, a town where many most people speak Afrikaans, white and black. And they cause chaos. Nothing happens. No arrest. And then they also on that day, urged their minions to burn the boar out, burn the boar down. Within 72 hours, 92,000 hectares of farmland in the Free State and Northern Cape are torched by arsonists, and the government tried to cover it up with a fake service delivery, proving once again that the state is incapable or unwilling to respond. That's followed up by Brockenfell, the first time that the government actually took action, but it was police forces in the Western Cape getting pressure from the government in Western Cape to do something, and they water cannoned them. But that was the extent of it. There weren't mass arrests for the 100 authorized protesters that were supposed to show up. There were three to 5,000 people armed with golf clubs, pongas, and knob carries, menacing and threatening a high school. Now, no arrests were made for that or virtually no arrest, and they sent another message. And this just continues. And in Conlon this past week, if they had any doubt that the government was useless and couldn't accomplish anything to stop them, they they, they pushed the boundaries. First, Carl Nyhorse, Nyhorse, and Carl Niehaus comes out. <laughs> he comes out and he holds a press conference and he and he threatens all these things in anarchy if the government you know respond if they arrest Zuma. And then Zuma goes out and marches with his his little minions and nothing happens. They're violating the uh, the ban on gatherings under the lockdown restrictions, which I think are unconstitutional. But that's not germane. It's still a restriction. They weren't wearing face masks and they were not maintaining social distancing. All of those people should have been arrested, including Jacob Zuma, on the spot and charged with violating lockdown restrictions. Kind of like they took an arrest of people on beaches and surfers last year. Should have done the same thing. When they did nothing, they were emboldened. On Sunday. They they did the same thing. Massive rally. Nobody's arrested. When Jacob Zuma failed to turn himself in on Sunday, the 4th of July, instead of actually taking action and putting troops in place and, and, and police in place, resourcing them with ammunition, rubber bullets, batons, shields, armored vehicles, communications, rehearsals, none of that was done. They just moved a bunch of cops down there to inflame the situation while he spent three more days beyond when he's supposed to turn himself in, not do anything. The government is incapable of governing this country. And Cameron has asked a very good question now that it's clear to the elements that want to undermine stability in the country of South Africa, which are within the ANC itself and also in the EFF. What happens now? How easy is it going to be to cause chaos in other places? Now, I think it'll be difficult in some locations in the country, but it's very easy. The point here is that this is not a legitimate government. It hasn't been a legitimate government for at least 15 years. They are just a gangster operation, a RICO operation that is defrauding people. Bottom line. Did somebody want to get in there? Cameron, I, I was answering your question. I don't know if I answered it. Well, no, you answered it. But it's basically like... Um when you have a child and the child starts to test the parent to see how far they can push the parent before the parent breaks. Now, this is exactly what's happening in South Africa now. They've pushed and they've seen that they can actually break South Africa. And the next thing, if they want something, then they just start another riot or something like that. So it's very, very scary now that the people know that they've got power. It is. It is. Hey, Brett, 
Thoughts on that? What do you think? Yeah, well, thoughts on that, yeah. And I just think that, I mean, it's hard to explain, but like, like I said earlier, the way they ban, I mean, the way the ban on gatherings had been lifted, and we don't know if this is temporarily or permanently, but the looters are going to get the idea that they can just loot and get away and get what they want, and that's going to be a bad misinterpretation. And then... It, I mean, I, to not talk about the COVID too much, vaccine facilities have been destroyed. Clicks, who had been giving vaccines, had had to stop that operation because of that. And that's just going to lead to worse of a crisis. And then that's right. going to eventually lead the ANC to be able to declare martial law. And it's just, I mean, like Zwei had said earlier, though, in the end, the politicians are going to win. So, I mean, I don't know if, if this is a conspiracy or if this has just been orchestrated, but it is just, it's a mess. Well, Brad, I don't know if you're I don't know if you're reading the studio notes, but it's funny you should mention why because he's just called back in. Uh, what's the words? Why do we say something that uh, you agree with or that sets you off? Which is it? No, I, I just want to add, man, because like I said, I've I've disclosed where I stay, my ethnicity, and I might be the only black person here. But um, no, you're is, not. Right? You're not. Mm-hmm. But go, you're not. But go ahead. I might. 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 But the thing is, right? My feeling is. The way that this this country is being ruled by this government, mm-hmm. right? The incompetence that they've showed on multiple occasions, countless, mm-hmm. right? At mm-hmm. the end of the day, that incompetence hits us, especially where I'm from, right? Yeah. My background, my area, the people that I see on a daily basis, right? Yep. And I'm in a privileged position that I can travel in town, back, and see, you know, all types of people in South Africa. And mm-hmm. I understand economy to a degree, how important it is to a country like South Africa. Now, back to the incompetence, it's hitting the black people hard. Because at the end of the day, people like Julius Malema, mm-hmm. they have a point or an opinion to say from the incompetences. And mm-hmm. that message hits hard at my people, where I'm yep. from, yep. right? But- and those people, compared to white-colored or better-off people, mm-hmm. they become enemies. They become targets. And if things continue the way they are, this country could burn to the ground. Well, I understand you- the fact. I, I understand the fact that, uh, and I acknowledge the fact that. Even though apartheid was a terrible system to live under, mm-hmm. the books, the documentaries, and what my mom has told me, mm-hmm. I don't think, okay, even though it was, right, they've managed to build an economy that was a great one, right? It, it was a good economy. Um, I remember back in high school, 204, 203. Mm-hmm. The South African rand was like seven rand to a dollar, yep. six rand mm. to a dollar. Now it's about 14, 15 rand. Mm-hmm. My thing is, if the if the government doesn't get their act together, they are pinning the poor people of this country against the better off people of this country. And that is a recipe for disaster for me. I don't like right. where it's going. I feel that wish as communities i think we should find a way to organize and hold the government to account especially in corruption mm-hmm. we must hold our councillors our you know people in offices we must hold them to account 
so that everything is done accordingly. Not much. I mean, like looking at Auditor General's mm -hmm. um, published things, like uh, what's the word about money being misspent? Unaccounted money, like uh, whether they, they're supposed to spend money, but frivolous expenditure. I think that's the yeah. word. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. Was it, it's 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 going higher and higher and higher and higher and higher, and I feel that that thing needs to go down, and work must be done because I've seen communities in my homeland in Eastern Cape. Mm -hmm. I've seen life there. I've seen life in um, uh, Gassi or black neighborhoods, mm -hmm. and I've seen life going up to the richer part, working in town, working mm -hmm. in Brackenfell, through my experience. And yep. I think that this, for some reason, they must find a reason to actually do what they're promising to do because at the end, they are pitting a war against white and black people. And it is going to end in tears for the country well, in general. Like and I, I, think I, would not, I wouldn't want a war like that. Oh, hang on. I'm doing accountability with, uh, with corruption. To the SABC's credit, this was before all the looting, but they went to Kenya and Uganda, and they and a lot of the people there to, uh, telling the SABC they wish they could do that with their country. I think it's a problem um, not just in Africa but in the world that leaders need to be held accountable for their corruption, and that has to go on. Paul, go ahead and jump in. I clearly don't have control of my own stream, so go ahead and get your comment in. <laughs> no, no, I just <laughs> wanted to uh, uh, um, tell Zwei that uh, he thinks there's not a thing but what everything you said is we need the masses to start holding our government accountable because yeah. at this stage they do whatever they want and there's absolutely no reper repercussions for them they that they, they, they just do whatever suits them and and it it's like we don't do anything. We're all, we're all, I mean, I'm white, you're, it doesn't matter what your color is. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. We need to start banning together to, to fix this country. Because the, I'm sorry, the NC is not going to do it. They've, they've had 27 years and they, they just don't seem willing to do it. Hey, Landon, hold tight. I'm going to get you in here just a second. Let me get some comments in for uh, to its wise comments. And as far as as far as and also what Paul just said about holding people accountable, it's difficult to hold politicians accountable when they don't rely on your vote for their privilege. You don't have a direct election system in South Africa. It's corrupt from the outset. The Convention for Democratic South Africa was a rigged situation. They set up a system and then came up with a constitution afterwards, after the temporary constitution, which allows parties to pick the people that represent the country. So when the ANC took control, somebody's making coffee or something. Could you either put your mic on mute? Because um, there's a lot of noise in the background. But um, what they did is, and now somebody's vaping. <laughs> but what not they did me. is it's not me so so what they did is they created a system so for instance when the ANC won control of the Western Cape through a coalition they deployed their cadres they sent people down who don't speak English Afrikaans or Kosa to the Western Cape to rule and nobody there voted for those people now there might have been some people in that region who voted ANC but they didn't vote for those candidates those people were sent not because they were addressing the needs of the constituents in that region they were there to represent the Latuli House, 
That's how it works. Now, it's, it applies to all the parties. We can say the same for the DA, the Freedom Front Plus. They represent the interest of the party, not of the people, is the argument. That's definitely KCNC's. That's the first problem. Second problem with all this is that when it comes to corruption, and, and it's why I was right about this, about, you know, about this corruption issue, but why did South Africa have to buy Type 209 diesel submarines? Were, they, were the jackass penguins in Simonstown that big a threat to South Africa's <laughs> national sovereignty? Why did they have to buy three German cruisers? Do they patrol the coast of the Straits of Mozambique and prevent terrorists? No, they don't. Why did they have to buy Hawk lean and fighter trainers and grip and jets? Was the Namibian Air Force with its handful of jets a threat to the airspace of South Africa? Was the Zimbabwe Air Force that can't put a plane in the air because they have no fuel? Were they a threat to South? Somebody please put your mic on mute that's making that noise. Um, was that a threat? No. They spent seven point, it was originally a 4.6 billion US dollar deal. It became a 7.1 billion. Okay, now we got cars driving. Uh, 7.1 billion. That's 7.1 billion dollars that wasn't spent building schools in the Eastern Cape, delivering textbooks to poor black children in KwaZulu Natal in the Eastern Cape, Kosan Zulu, and allowing predatory HIV positive teachers to extract sex from prepubescent and prepubescent girls in KZN for grades, which is never talked about. This government is not legitimate. It has failed South Africans, and they've done what every government does. The first thing is they turn class on class, or if they have the opportunity to use race, which is more effective because a lot of people are not well-informed, they use race, and that's what they've been doing. The National Party used race, the Svat Gavar, the ANC uses race. It blames minorities for their failures. That is a fact. It's demonstrably provable on so many different levels. The ANC is a disgrace to liberation struggle. The people that are in this party now are in it to eat. It's our turn to eat. They're not in it to govern this country. They're not in it to improve the betterment. And as Twyde said, they will continue to make these issues. The good news I see out of all of the last 18 months of ANC failure, their idiotic response to the pandemic, their failure to respond to it effectively, their draconian rules that did nothing but expand expand this nonsense and make more people sick and die because they're morons. The one good thing that's come out of anything is that South Africans, more and more South Africans don't see color or tribe. In my view, in my experience, talking with black, brown, Indian, and white South Africans, they've all are hot full of this nonsense. Now there still re- exists some degree which people who have nefarious intent can use race and ethnicity to divide people. And we see that especially from nasty white liberals, leftists who do this and others. And it's it's really sickening, but it really needs to change. Landon has been patient. Landon just popped on. Landon, let me get you a chance to get in here now that I've had a chance to uh, comment on the um, very helpful things that Swai shared with us. Go ahead, Landon. Yeah, hello, everyone. Landon, um, Yeah, I'm yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, Zwei made a comment earlier about the currency. Um, I think 1982 uh, was the first time that the US dollar was stronger than the rand. So before that, it was for since 1960, I think, somewhere there. So quite a, quite a time where obviously it was a bit stronger. Um, but yeah, a long time, it was about five, six rand. Right? So quite a big difference. Um, I didn't want to add much. I just wanted to join because I remember on the YouTube uh, stream earlier, you said that you never had uh, a full number of people, so you couldn't kick people out. <laughs> and then as I joined, two people left. So now you're like two people short for that. Um, yeah, so that was basically it. But yeah, also what uh, was said earlier in terms of uh, 
you know, maybe just you know, maybe uh, everything. I suppose there's a lot of fear, you know. Fear, yeah. So it's quite difficult. But yeah, I'll listen to what you guys say, and then if I have something to say, I'll maybe add from that. Oh, it sounds yeah, great. Thanks a lot for calling in, Landon. I appreciate it. Um, listen, um, I don't see Robin here, and uh, we're hoping Robin to come in with, uh, as Hendo likes to say, her posh colored. But Hendo, that dodgy colored there that, who ran off to the UK to hide, he hasn't called in yet. So we're waiting for him to call in. And Paulie just said, Swai is 100% correct. And Swai said, patronage and loyalty to party was greater than doing the right thing for the country and voting for Zoom out during the votes. Yeah. Spot on, Swai, and that's the problem. See, if if the members of the African National Congress were voted for their position in parliament by voters directly and owe their loyalty to the people they have to get reelected by rather than to the Thule House picking them off a list of the most loyal and dedicated and trustworthy ANC members, then parliament should be in session now, and I guarantee that Zuma would fall in a vote of no confidence and David Mabuza would be the president under your parliamentary system. So Cameron's popped back on. Yeah, I know. I had to go and say goodnight to my parents, so I popped off. Oh, Hendo, come join them. We'll have a full panel for the first time. Don't be well, we actually, ha- we actually have it right now. We have to kick somebody off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Chris, what oh, I wanted to add with the, with the funding right of the schools, the I mean, there are still people that having a, that are still shitting in buckets in, uh, in uh, education systems. That one little kid, as you pointed out numerous times, drowned in a pit latrine. And that is just disgraceful that the ANC government cannot get that together and let their own kids get a proper education with proper toilet facilities. No, you're spot on, Brett. And I've talked about it many times. It's happened more than once in the Eastern Cape. At least two children that I know of uh, have died by falling into toilets and choking mm. on feces and urine. How vile is that? I mean, people are freaking out over this image of a toddler dropped from a burning building over this looting. And you should hear the screaming. And I mean, okay, look, the child wasn't injured. It's terrible. The child's going to survive and move on from that. But the bottom line here, folks, is that um, nobody has any anger or frustration about children dying in pit latrines. The ANC government's responsible for this, not the National Party. You can blame apartheid all you want, and apartheid is responsible for so many things that are wrong, but they've had decades to repair this, and that was a few years ago it happened, decades to repair this. And instead of buying submarines and vanity cruisers that nobody sails because they have racist policies about who could be on the crew, what they should do is invest in the people of South Africa. And you don't invest in the people of South Africa when you make the passing mark Somebody's got me on, got the mic on. When when the passing mark to enter university is 30% in two subjects. How can anybody with a straight face have a standard like that? That's insane. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, I'm going to drop somebody off. Any volunteers want to drop off because Andrew wants to pop on? Just give me one volunteer. Wait, I'll, I'll go ahead and drop out. off, Chris. I- I'll drop off because I need to get to do some other things anyway. But thank you all for having me. All right, Brett. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Brett's going to drop off now. We'll let Andrew come in. Folks, when you're not talking, if you put your uh, – because I'm getting echo from my microphone because you're listening and you don't have earphones on. You need to wear earphones when you call in. There you go. Whoever did that just turned off. Thank you very much for that. Andrew, you're back. What's the word? Hey, how are we doing, guys? We're right. Well, I mean, other than listen to the squirrel feed is typical <laughs> nonsense. I mean, you know, we're doing okay. Good stuff, man. I was just wondering, Chris, did you watch the uh, Debbie Else interview on YouTube when she uh, met Zuma and her, what she? Heard? Actually, I did not because 
I asked her to come on my program to tell me why she went to see him. She agreed, and I didn't want to color it because I wanted to not know. So, um, and then all this stuff broke loose, and so I've been focused on this. But Debbie Ells had agreed to come on my program last weekend, and then she backed out. Uh, she said she had a death in the family. Uh, but then she's been back on YouTube, uh, on Facebook. So I, I don't know what's going on. But Debbie's been on my program before. But I always have to be careful because she is want to start talking about things that will get you banned on YouTube. So i got to be careful. <laughs> well, yeah, be careful with this one as well because it's, uh, yeah, quite quite deep. <laughs> well, it's, it's probably just as well that I didn't, didn't I do that. So, <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> no, I just wanted to ask if you did that. I'm busy listening to all that other stuff in the background here with my radio. So, yeah, I've got to listen in the background. So, sorry, Brett, if you want to come back on, you're more than welcome to. No, Brett had some stuff to take care of, so he's out. So. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to listen in the background. Sorry, guys. I've got a, a radio in the background. I don't want to disturb you. That's quite all right. Thank you for popping in, Andrew. Hey, Zwei. So, so Zwei, um, you mentioned that um, people are passing word around about, you know, hey, I mean, my paraphrasing, not the exact word, but. Basically that, you know, hey, people are getting away with TVs and fridges and, you know, over in KZN. I mean, we're missing out. Um, that's pretty frightening, isn't it? That people have that mindset, regardless of who they are, or their ethnicity. Yeah, it is. Because the thing is with me, right, uh, there's Somalians or Ethiopians that own um, spaza shops around here. Yep. Um, and They're going to be I target. people a lot. Yep. They've got... By default, they become target if that goes down. And yep. one of them close to me, like three houses down. Yep. Uh, they are in a house of which in the area, it's mostly been um, like pretty much a poor house. Like, you know, the people who have been there, no education, no progress. Mm. You know, it's, it's like construction work, working in kitchens, gardening, and you know, nobody getting an office job, nobody qualifying for anything. So it's pretty much a, an impoverished house. And I like what's going on in there that the Somalis are renting the place there and then they're giving money to the family for rent. And mm -hmm. it's it's just business, right? It's it's a win-win situation. They get to sell the goods. They get to receive rent money and stuff like that. And then if that happens, that family is going to be hit hard because at some point those guys may not have money to rent. And the idea may be to attack foreigners, but foreigners are putting money in our community, in our pockets, uh, you know, to some degree. And that's nasty to me because that's, that's um, what you call this? Xenophobia. That's damaging. Xenophobia. It, it, it's, it's xenophobia, but economic-wise, money-wise, that family is going to be hit hard because that money is needed to take care of certain things. And mm -hmm. the community, us, the people who buy there on a regular basis, we will not have a shop to buy stuff on and we need to take taxi to go to a close by mall and stuff like that. So it's, it's a terrible idea. I don't know why these people persist in doing this over and over and over again. Like, xenophobic attacks i hate it with a passion no it's yeah, it's such a serious thing yeah, that it pervades the popular culture i mean one of my favorite movies in south africa is called the long run 
And in the long run, uh, you see the xenophobia. They, they, they put it in the movie. It's uh, when they raid uh, um, townships around Johannesburg and they hunt down foreigners or they attack their businesses. It's, uh, it's a really sad thing, but it's, it seems to be a, a component of South African culture, certainly over the last 40 years or so, to blame foreigners. You know, it's interesting because um, when I lived in Botswana and I would travel to South Africa frequently, every weekend at least, uh, if not during the week for work, I uh, would go to a restaurant, say in Centurion, and I'd get service. And if the service was good um, without seeing the, uh, the wait staff's name, uh, or I'd hear their accent, and I'd say, so where are you from in Zimbabwe? And they'd be amazed that I knew they were Zimbabwean. And I said, how'd you know it was Zimbabwe? And I said, well, your accent's kind of a tip off, but short of that, I mean, you're polite, um, you're very effective and very efficient. So clearly you're not a South African. Oops. Shots fired. Shots fired. Shots fired. Yeah. No, but my, 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 I must agree that the Zimbabweans, they do have service. Like when I go to Spur or some restaurants, me and my girlfriend, yep. uh, I find it that it's like the Zimbabwe, the effort between a Kosa or whoever it may be, Suto or whoever, yep. compared to a Zimbabwean. A Zimbabwean has that thing that they are actually serving you and trying as best that they can. And then it's, another it's, ethnicity is like another customer, another day at work. It's, yeah, a call, Chris, it's, called work, it's called work ethic. Yeah, but Chris, you went to Centurion, man. Everybody's attitude there is exactly the same. Okay, come on. Now, I was just picking on Centurion. I could say Pretoria. I could say Durban. I mean, you know, take your buddy, pick, Cape Town. Buddy, I, I was I was born and raised in Centurion, and I fled to KZN to get away from those people. <laughs> oh, no. Shots, shots fired. Shots fired. 911. <laughs> we have a piper down. We have a piper down. <laughs> Guys, that was a funny video. Um, yeah, that was Chris, hilarious. I want to so, ask you a question. Go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. Um. You uh, just brought up the whole arms deal and everything. Yep. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but mm -hmm. uh, Zuma was basically ahead of that. And he became president to crush the allegations against him about that stuff, if I'm, if, if I'm correct. Zuma became president for the following reason. No, Let me no, just run for the whole thread. No, no, no. I'm going to run through the whole thread. You're correct. Yeah. He was deeply involved in that and responsible for orchestrating that whole thing, but he wasn't the only one. So, but, but he profited from it. And we know he's guilty because Sheikh Shabir, his financial consultant, was found guilty of directing corrupt payoffs from French defense manufacturers and German manufacturers to, well, the French for sure. I can't state for certain, but we know for sure that the conviction was on the French manufacturer, Talis. Those, those bribes to Zuma through Sheikh Shabir, that's been proven. So why he's not in jail over that is still astounding. That that's what the corruption charges are coming back now two decades later. But what comes out of this is that Jacob Zuma becomes president later, not because he's capable, not because he's competent, but because as the head of MK military intelligence, he knows where the bodies are buried. He has dirt on everybody and he has networks and patrons networks which keep him informed. He can expose so many people within the African National Congress for their past crimes, their misdeeds and their current crimes and misdeeds. And that's how he became president. And um, he became president because because Tabon Becky is a arrogant, disrespectful, self-important little troll. Now, he may have been of all the presidents that have served since the uh, Democratic elections, 1994, arguably the most effective president because he's a technocrat. I will give him that. But the man has has as an inferiority complex that is the size of Mount Everest. And anytime, you know, I mean. 
no one's even talking about this, Yancy. What about the 700,000 dead South Africans who died of HIV after being born with it needlessly because of Tabo and Becky and his beetroot health minister trained by the Soviet Union to be a doctor? We haven't even gotten to that. But but Tabo and Becky pissed off so many people who wanted their turn to eat because, oh, we're in charge now. It's our turn to eat. And what happened was that he held the line against a lot of that corruption internally, quietly, and we didn't see it become the pervasive state capture, wholesale looting that it later became under Zuma. And the reason he was unseated is because he upset too many people who had power from the old guard in the ANC. And so there was, I call it the Polokwane massacre, Petersburg, Polokwane. When they had the conference yes. there, they essentially assassinated the president of South Africa and removed him as president of the party. And the irony is this, if the rest of the world paid attention and understood what's going on, this is ironic. How do you no longer be the president of a country when your party unseats you as a leader. That's a parliamentary system. That's not a genuine republic or democracy because the people don't vote for the president of South Africa, the parliament does. And so Thabo Mbeki was unseated by his own party and removed and Jacob Zuma came up. And that's how this whole thing got started. Now Zuma has been able to run the clock out for as long as he could, but eventually he ran out of time. The sand finally fell through the glass, but he'll be in jail for a few months at most. And then he'll come out, he'll play the martyr. Look at me. I'm a political prisoner. I was oppressed. But in the meantime, incalculable damage has been done to the psyche, to the economy, to the social fabric of South Africa. And hopefully millions of South Africans are watching this and going, who are these jackals that we keep electing to office? I mean, are you going to keep blaming somebody from 30 or 40 years ago that my highway hasn't been fixed, that I don't have electricity, that we have to our food spoils because the power goes off for three days, that my kids don't have a proper education, that idiots go to university and say science must fall who have a 30 in maths. We're supposed to listen to them. Come on. Chris, Eventually, Chris, millions they, are going to wake up. They do it because it works. They do well, it. I know. I, I know. But what I'm getting at is that we're reaching we're, we're the water is rising. And we're reaching a point where enough South Africans of all ethnicities are going to say enough is. I mean, let's be honest. There's a fair, there's a, a small number of white South Africans who honestly have issues with with race. Um, all, all, all ethnicities do. But what I'm talking about is white South Africans. Well, blacks will never vote for anyone other than the ANC. Well, that's not a very informed view, in my opinion. And it's also probably a little bit bigoted. And by the same token, there's a fair number of black South Africans who will only vote for the ANC because they believe the propaganda and they're not well informed or they're not willing to question it because of what they've been told. But now more people are waking up. It's taken a long time. Uh, so I just said Zuma has been great at playing the victim, got into power playing the victim. Yeah, he's very good at that's why. He's also good at knowing where the bodies are buried and how to bury you. And I think that's all part of it. Um, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Chris, go the ahead. problem is um, with the education that was, was, that was mentioned earlier. Now, yeah. I had the pleasure of being a high school teacher in a former life. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and it in in the case from when I started as a as a newbie teacher to when I left the profession, I could actually see, and I mean I taught in in inner city schools in in old um, Afrikaans community schools, and I could actually see the in in the, in the space of twelve years time, our kids' interest and and what they want to know, the level of of of, of uh, desiring knowledge had just just waned, mm-hmm. and. If you keep the populace stupid and uninformed, you will rule forever. And yes, the, it might be the, the ANC that gets kicked out uh, due to the, the, the masses waking up. But unfortunately, sheep need to follow a leader. And at the moment, I, the, the strongest 
opposites to the ANC for that leaderless mass might be the EFF, which I don't think is the right way to go. Well, it's a fair point, Andre, but honestly, my estimate, and I stick to it to this point, is although I have to reassess it after what's happened in KZN, but until the events the last two weeks, my argument all along has been is that the peak for the EFF is 15%. They're not going to get more than 15% of the vote. I'm going to have to relook at that now and take a look at the indicators and see if I want to change that assessment up or down. But up until now, before the events the last two weeks, it's always been for years, they'll never get above 15%. And so far, that's held true. Um, we'll see what happens in the 2021 municipal elections, assuming they happen. But your point about teaching, you could be saying the same thing about the United States. It's astounding how stupid Americans are when it comes to voting or Europeans for that matter. I mean, I've lived in Europe and I talk to Germans. I'm fluent in German. And it's just amazing to me how little Germans know about their political system, about events going on in their own country. They're very localized, very parochial in their view. It's the same all over the world. Uh, there are a number of people who look outside their little narrow window and pay attention to what's happening. But for the most part, people don't do that. It's just not the nature of human beings. They look they look very localized. I mean, you know, when Nigeria is in the World Cup, woo, we're all Nigerians. And then next thing you know, we're Igbo, Yoruba, and we're killing each other. And we're, we're trying to break away as Biafra. And we're stealing cattle. And we're murdering people. And we're supporting terrorists. And, you know, uh, take your pick. And that, that plays out across the world. Homo sapiens are strange creatures. But the lack of education, and more importantly, genuine education, most of my experience, having lived and served in Tunisia, Liberia, Botswana, Malawi, Niger, Mauritania, Uganda, and Ethiopia, I have been up close and personal with education, and I have seen that in most of Africa, there's no education. It's memorization. No one's being taught to learn. No one's being taught, well, there are exceptions, obviously. They're not being taught to think critically. And you can say the same thing here in, much in the States these days. But it's definitely the case. You're not educating people. You're training people. There's a difference between training and education. Education is very different than training. And the problem is we have training going on at our universities around the world, in our public schools around the world, not educating, teaching people to think critically, not to be critical, that's different, but to think critically. I mean, for instance, why did Ramaphosa wait until nine days after this thing started to go to Kwasanatel? First off, critically thinking people should have been asking that question on day two. Day three, day four. And you might have said to yourself, you're an analysis, well, maybe it's dangerous. He is a president. We can't secure him. Okay, that's maybe a legitimate reason. But then why didn't he have a press conference? Why didn't he call out the police? So critically thinking people will ask these questions and try to find out the motivations, what's happening here. Uh, Andre Bota says something about indoctrination. Yeah, there's definitely indoctrination taking place. But there's a clear distinction between teaching and education. And I think the world has a dearth of genuine education these days. Um, Andre, you were a teacher. Do you agree or disagree with me? Am I off the mark here? No, I think you're, I think you're pretty close to the mark. And that's why you'll get, I mean, if you, if you say that in some public spaces and on Facebook while you, why you will get crucified for it, because that's what happens when you're over, when you're over the mark. Um, as soon as you start speaking the truth, um, you get gunned these days. And then that's the, the sad and unfortunate um, happenstance of where we are in the world these days. And I mean, I follow U.S. politics quite closely as well. And I mean, I am flabbergasted by the stuff that's going on on your side. Um, as much as, I mean, I mean, the stuff that happens here, yes, I mean, it's, 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 atrocity, it's an atrocity and it's, it's shocking. But I mean, having kind of grown used to it, you know, the old uh, frog in the pot analogy, I mean, you, you kind of expect something like this to happen. But yeah. what has happened, yeah. the degradation of the whole American system in such a short time, that is just dumbfounding.
What's absolutely fascinating to me, not fascinating, but frightening to me, I should say, Andre, is that, you know, for the longest time growing up, uh, and I'm a product of public education, I lived in poverty as a kid, um, I uh, lived in middle class as a kid, um, and I've I lived on a farm, I lived in urban centers, I lived in all black neighborhoods with 300 families, I lived in all white counties, so I had a very eclectic, diverse um, kind of maturation. But what, what, what astounds me about all this stuff is just, um, you know, Alexis de Tocqueville wrote a book called Democracy in America. And he talked to, this is in the 1830s when he visited America from France. And he said, the strength of America is it's in its institutions. Now, most people, when I say that, think, oh, he's talking about the Supreme Court and the Department of Justice and the Congress and the military. No, what de Tocqueville was talking about and what I'm talking about are the Boy Scouts, the Better Business Bureau, the American Bar Association, the American, um, you know, the, 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 the Better Business Bureau, all these different institutions, self-regulating, self-governing, voluntary organizations that Americans organized for themselves to control their behavior and to admit or not to admit to adhere to standards. These are, these are self-regulating activities, not the government doing it. And we've done this for centuries. And I've always thought that that was the strength of this country. But without us even noticing it, the radical left has assaulted these institutions over the past three decades and diminished them. There's no such thing as the Boy Scouts anymore. It's the Scouts. And it's no longer. So it's it's wrong for the Boy Scouts to only allow boys to be in it. But there's no nothing wrong with the Girl Scouts being exclusive for girls or for the Campfire Girls being exclusive for girls. And we just now with 97 genders and anybody can be what they want. It's just amazing how our institutions have come under attack in the private sector. And now we see the institutions and government are captured too. And it's just amazing, as you were alluding to, Andre, how quickly this is all unraveled. I mean, I spent 36 and a half years in uniform supporting the defending the Constitution, protect all Americans and people overseas. So they had liberty, freedom, and people were treated fairly. And everyone had equal opportunity, not equal outcomes. That's bullshit. That's communism. That's leftist nonsense. It doesn't work. But equal opportunity. Whether you're white, you're brown, you're black, you're Jewish, you're, you're Christian, you're Buddha. I don't give a flying flip. In my case, if you're an American, I support and defend those rights. That's why I wear the uniform. And I sit here and scratch my head 18 months later after retiring from active duty. What the hell was I doing with my life? I could have just joined the telecommunications industry or the internet industry back in 1995, 96, when I had a great opportunity and become fabulously wealthy and live the life of luxury, maybe been another Elon Musk kind of character. But instead, I, I devoted my life to defending the freedoms which are being stolen by the hour by a bunch of leftists here and abroad. This whole Now they're trying to have a minimum global tax on businesses. That's insane. It's just, it's really disheartening how the institutions have been undermined, how they've been captured, our sports have been captured. We have NBA players shilling for the Chinese Communist Party that imprisons concentration camps for Uyghurs because they're Muslims. We have, we have football players who take a knee out of disrespect for the anthem because they have no idea about the history of America. And then we have, we have white kids in rural high schools in Idaho taking a knee out of solidarity with people and they have no idea what they're talking about. It's utter nonsense. And it's just so frustrating. Andre, I could see your confusion. Imagine my confusion wearing the uniform and the flag of this country for nearly four decades, protecting everyone's rights to see someone tell me that the original sin of this country was slavery. Clearly any moron that makes a statement like that doesn't understand the history of homo sapiens and clearly doesn't understand the only country in the world ever to fight a civil conflict to end the institution of slavery. And we lost 700,000 lives to make that happen. And by the way, virtually everybody fighting to end that was white. And all the people that voted to end it were white and male because women couldn't vote and black folks couldn't vote. So it was white folks that ended that. And to hear people 
denigrate history and to tear down statues, it's just beyond comprehension. It reminds me of when UCT, or not UCT, at Rhodes University, Rhodes must fall. Really? Give the land back. I mean, Rhodes provided the endowment to make that university possible so you could sit there and be a dumbass and say this nonsense because you don't understand history. Anyway, so I'm starting to get on a riff and a rant there, so I'll stop there, Andre. <laughs> Anybody? I, I, think it's, I think it's very valid. I think your points Bueller? are all extremely valid. I mean... Um, I think both Andre and Landon tried to go. Landon, you have been there for a bit, so did you have something to say, Landon? Yeah, I just wanted to add, I saw... Um, with the Olympics in Tokyo now, there's uh, one athlete. It's a female athlete. She, I think she's from Tonga, but she might be from Samoa, so one of the Pacific Islands. Um, I think Tonga, and she's 20 years old. Uh, so she uh, had to qualify for some weightlifting uh, competition. So she qualified uh, in the regional qualifications and then the last round, there was a male athlete that's obviously a transgender woman now. And uh, he's 46. And uh, now he's the one or she's the one that's going to the to the Olympics, right? Instead of the, obviously, the 20-year-old. But uh, I suppose when when things like that happen, it's almost like the, the truth is very right-wing, you know, at the moment. So it's very it's very difficult, and I suppose people don't really speak out against things, and I think there's a bit of a fear because you obviously get uh, a lot of backlash and stuff uh, related to that. But yeah, I just hope you know that we don't get a future where you know all the female uh, sport competitions are basically won by by ma- men, because uh, I thought maybe I could do some boxing or something. <laughs> uh, in, uh, in maybe the next Olympics, right? Um, but uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's a really confusing time. And then, I mean, even with Castus Aminia, I mean, I'm happy for her to compete. Uh, it's obviously a different situation, but I mean, she's not allowed to compete uh, for the 800 meters um, and she didn't qualify for the 5,000 meter, but I mean, she's not allowed to compete. And then obviously other sports, it's just a really confusing uh, situations. I'm not really sure uh, what's hap- what's happening with that, but yeah, it's very confusing. No, it's a good point, Landon. It's absolutely ridiculous. We've seen here in the states where female athletes, um, we had to have federal law passed, Title IX, back in the 1970s, to ensure that equal funding went into high school sports for females as went into for males. And it was a real challenge for a lot of schools because um, they, you know, they make money off of high school football and basketball because people pay to go to those games, but nobody wanted to watch girls play soccer back in the seventies. So they had to find a way to do that. And it was federal law and made it happen. And it had a very positive impact in the end on female athletes. And we wind up with female professional sports and some very talented women uh, and, and very, very well done. But now we have women who are being denied scholarships because they lose races, even though they're the best in their field, to a genetic male who's also 14 or 15 or 16 years old, who's already gone through puberty with male hormones with an X and Y chromosome, and they outcompete the 16-year-old girl who was the best in the state, so she doesn't get a scholarship. So how does that help anybody? It's just utter nonsense. Um, uh, you know, you just have to wonder where this idiocy ends. You know, for years we've listened to the South African Rugby Union with this idiocy and its race-based policies about quotas. Well, the teams aren't, aren't aren't enough people of color. Well, what's enough people of color? If you want black South Africans to have a deep interest in 
rugby as many black South Africans do in football, then perhaps you ought to spend some of the sorrow money that you get out building pitches in areas where kids live that aren't exposed to rugby and they get into the game when they're five and six and seven years old. But, you know, this will never end. And now we see, uh, you know, so we said the 2019 where the Springboks won the World Cup. Arguably, I would argue that wasn't the best possible team for the Springboks, but it was a compromise of the best available talent that mixed the team together and formed a team. And to his credit, Rossi Erasmus did a brilliant job. But there were a few players on the pitch who weren't the best at their position at that time and probably shouldn't have been there, but it worked out. Now, Neil Powell is sending a team that only has two white players for the Blitzbach to the Olympics. Can we finally stop this nonsense from Saru about quotas when only two of the dozen players going out there are white when 10 years ago, virtually every person on the Blitzbach was white. It, can we end this nonsense now? I seriously doubt it. It'll just continue until uh, things just keep going. But this is this is what happens with leftists. They divide people based on ethnicity and race. You know, I, me watching the Blitzbox, I'm a huge fan of the Springboks and have been for decades and a, a big fan of the Blitzbach in recent history. And my favorite players are guys like Ruan Nell, Cecil Africa, Bronco Dupreer. Oh, wait, wait. Bronco Dupreer is colored and, 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 and Cecil Africa is black. I can't like them. How can I root for them? Stop the nonsense. I'm so sick of it. Eric, are you still there? Chris, the best self, the, the best the best way that I saw um, someone use this whole system against them is I spoke to a gentleman a while ago that got a government contract. Mm-hmm. Now the guy was the guy was as white and as Afrikaans as I am. I'm like, dude, how did you get the government contract? He's uh well I'm B level one. I'm like, how, how the hell did you? How the hell did you swing that? He says, "Well, I identify as black and female." <laughs> well, well, well. To be fair, for those who watch my YouTube program, you 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 are well aware of the fact that I identify as vaccinated. So I thought I should share that. <laughs> so Eric is still there. I heard her laugh. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Um, pretty exhausted though, but I am still here. And, uh, yeah. Well, we'll go a little bit longer. I've noticed that 98 people have tuned into this show. I'm trying to hit 100 on the live. We haven't done that before. Paul tried to jump in there. Go ahead, Paul. No, Chris, unfortunately, you are 100% correct in that. Um, And I don't see it changing very quickly. Um, A a lot of guys, uh, and I know you follow them, Ramon, everybody, um, they they have said it many times before, uh, Corporate South Africa, the guys with the money and the influence need to jump in and start saying this needs to change. It's Saru is not going to change because it's it's uh, everything that happens in South Africa happens on a race based uh, uh, point for the ANC. And uh, you also made a good point. Um, I think that people's minds are getting changed. I mean, I work with the local people on the farm and everything, and we've mm-hmm. had pretty decent discussions. And now I'm talking about your average guy that uh, lives in a shack, that uh, that does his work, that's uh, mostly an honest, hardworking man. And they are getting fed up with the government because the NC is putting their cronies into positions. And my simple question, how I begin my talks with them is, I ask them, who is your council representative? Do you know him? Do you know who he is? And none of them have ever given me an answer. And 
the more we talk about it, the more they say, it, but it's, it's really, they don't know who's, who's, who's looking after their best will. No, absolutely. And that's, that's a genuine and serious problem is that uh, people just don't really know what's going on or they're not particularly well informed. But, but like you said, Paul, I, I, I and I said earlier, I, I think that, and, and this latest debacle in KZN and Tang, I mean, what are people in Soweto going to do? There's only one mall left. Everything's been burned down. I mean, where are they going to go? A lot of those people don't have cars. They're going to take combis and, and go to uh, I, you know go to Santon City to go shopping. They can't afford that. People now, now let's not. They have a stereotype. Uh, Soweto has plenty of upscale neighborhoods and people with money and wealth. But the reality is that uh, it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. And we've seen the same thing all over KZN. Peter Maritzburg is a war zone. We, we've we've as as um, as um, I think Andre said earlier. Um, is a Port Edward is is a total disaster now. I mean, this goes on and inside of Durban, this is just crazy. And 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 to see the government, and that's see, this is why I don't understand any political party worth its salt would be making hay off of this. They should have been making hay off this entire failure. I mean, every time that Ramaphosa gets up there and says, well, the next wave is coming, uh, no gatherings. Excuse me. The last wave came and you didn't stop it with this. So why are you doing it again? Oh, it's getting worse. Why is it getting, because you didn't get involved in the vaccine program because you're lazy and you're corrupt. When the vaccine programs were started in the U.S. and Trump took the safety measures out, the South African government and Aspen PharmaCare and the entire pharmaceutical in South Africa, none of them approached Abbott Laboratories, AstraZeneca, Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson Johnson. None of them went to any of them and said, hey, listen, you know what? We have, we have the capability to do testing here. We could probably get some volunteers to participate in your studies to get this thing to market faster because this is a global crisis. Let us contribute to your effort. Or better, you know, if you can't let us do that, how can we get in and put a down payment on getting the vaccine early? They didn't do any of this. They didn't do any of it. And so now we hear Ramaphosa today saying that, well, the, the, this chaos in KZN, it means we're not going to be able to jab people. You're not serious. The South African healthcare system doesn't jab people on the weekends, but you have a state of disaster because of the pandemic, but you don't, you take the weekends off. You should be putting jabs in people's arms 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Screw freaking lockdown um, uh, curfews. This should be going on all the time if it's that serious. Otherwise, it's a fraud. The whole thing is a fraud. Not the pandemic, but the ANC's governance, its administration of what's going on is a complete, total fraud. It's a scam. And the, the, the blinders ought to be taken off of tens of millions of South African people's eyes right now because instead of getting the police in, getting the military in before this happened, knowing it was going to happen, or even as it unfolded, they sat back and let it unfold for nine days before they took serious action. Nine days. It wasn't until today that they got serious. And they only have 10,000 military. By the way, the military didn't come with rations. They're going to the shops that aren't looted to buy food to feed their troops. What kind of moronic government can't feed its military? I said the ones that haven't been looted. What kind of moronic military doesn't have rations for its troops? You don't have mobile kitchens. You don't have field rations. What, what, this is, I bet they don't even have ammunition. And I'm not talking um, about for the, Chris, for the retailers. I'm talking about for their small arms. Chris, I um, want to get in here exactly what you said now. Um, this whole situation... Um, I mean, like you say, there's leftist guys that's like, yeah, this is the end. This is the, the civil war is coming. I don't believe that. But what I saw in this whole situation, and Erica was was part of it, 
and I know of of I've I've watched all of the streams. I've brought this and everybody. They confirmed that they had to uh, they had to give ammunition to the police. Um, mm. Our police budget has been cut by more than thirty percent at this stage. They are predicting yep. that it's going to be up to forty five percent next next uh, after the next budget speech. Um, these guys don't have the ammunition. They 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 can't defend this country. They can't defend this country within this country. Yep. And it's it's a it's a terrifying. It's a it's it's. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know what to say about it. It's just how 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 do you get to that point? Well, From you get to that. My dad yeah. and everybody yep. that was on the that that uh, was on the border war, where South Africa was considered one of the absolute based uh, armies that there was in Africa, at least. Yep. And it's, it's gone. It's, uh, I don't know. Oh, it's, it's, it's beyond gone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's beyond gone. They're more of a hazard than they are a help. Go ahead, Erica. Yeah. I want to say something here, you know, that I found in fact quite crazy. Um, everything has been burnt and, loot- and looted because the police had did nothing. The government did nothing. Now, the very suburbs that we defended, you know, the citizens, now they're telling us to step back. We were, we, we are hungry. Um, and, uh, you know, the police are coming to buy from shops that they didn't defend. Where yeah. is uh, the fairness in this? Well, in um, fact... In- you know, when, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I wanna- uh, well, I, uh, here's the other thing, too. So instead of focusing on what's going on and the danger to people's lives, do you know what the media was covering? I watched Western media covering a story, The Telegraph, about how a black police officer from the Metro Police went home to her apartment two nights ago, or last night, or two nights ago, two nights ago, and she was stopped by a citizen patrol who didn't recognize her. And it's because they're racist that they stopped her because they didn't stop any other women because she had to be a woman of color. Uh, if that's true, okay, fine. Then, then someone's feelings are hurt and it's unfair. But people are dying. Shops are being burned to the ground. The infrastructure is being destroyed. And that's what the Telegraph is reporting on? They, they want to turn this into a race-based issue over that incident? I mean, this is utterly insane. But this is, this is the navel-gazing media, which is controlled by a cabal of scumbag leftists the globe over. You know, uh, everybody's sorry. silent. Yeah, everybody's yeah. silent on that one. Yeah, thinking. <laughs> walking and working with these people um, day after day and seeing the exhaustion each time they faces and then being separated from the family, leaving the families, you know, in the homes, not knowing if, if they're going back to those families. I mean, all of us, we're unskilled. Um, well, I stayed at home at night, but the reality is that it's all a slap in the face now. And uh, we, we came across um, a policeman that were very angry with what we were doing. And but they weren't helping us at all. Where yeah. were they going? They were going to work. We didn't see them yet. Yeah. Well, and, in fact, the uh, bottom line is even even, even if they had sufficient ammunition, even if they had sufficient police, not not sufficient. If, if all the police that were on duty showed up, 
They can't cover the entire province. There aren't that many cops. I mean, there's only 178,000 SAPs. And when you take out bosses, inspectors, motor pool, administrative people, file clerks, there's about 130,000 uniformed cops that can pull a beat. Well, you can only go one-third, one-third, one-third. So that gives you about 40,000 cops that control the entire country, South Africa, at a given moment, assuming they haven't been surged to do something. So with 40,000 cops, they aren't all in KwaZulu-Natal. They aren't in Hauteng. They're all over the country. So you can see how quickly – and now this is a much larger police force than it was before before we had the uh, FIFA World Cup in 2010. Back before, that was only 134,000 cops. They beefed up and they kept that level, but then they cut the funding. So you can imagine that the funding level is lower now than it was before the FIFA World Cup, and you have 40,000 more cops that have to be paid and equipment has to be bought. And so it's just an utter disaster. The level of policing, Johnny Steinberg, I think, is one of the people, or it wasn't Johnny Steinberg, it was someone else, uh, an analyst that I used to know uh, about 17 years ago, did an analysis of how many cops were on the beat in South Africa at any given time. Now, that's assuming all those cops were actually healthy and not HIV positive, not on meds, not sick because of tuberculosis, not down because of the flu or this, that, and the other. Not good about KFC. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. Not, not busy. So the point, but the point is, is that we're only talking about a few tens of thousands of cops on the beat at a given time in a country the size of South Africa. It's no wonder they're overwhelmed. And and if that few cop, if those few cops are on the beat and they run out of ammunition, how little ammunition was out there? How little training has been done? It's frightening. And the fact that it took this long for a cabal of people inside the African National Congress to see that they could overwhelm the law enforcement system and that the law enforcement system was un- incapable or unwilling to police the country. I'm surprised it took this long. Uh, this is a fight inside the ANC, and Ramaphosa seems to think he's gotten the upper hand, but this is not over, not by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think it's over either. I think it's a lull before the storm. Go ahead, Cameron. Can I jump in on the racism thing? Let me get Cam- let me get Cam- Cameron first. Let me get Cameron, and then we'll get Swai. Cameron, go ahead. I stay quite close to, and I've got a couple of friends that are in the army because there's a big army camp here in Kronstadt. Uh-huh. Yeah. They say that when they get given ammunition, if they get given ammunition, because sometimes it's only the people that are at the gate they get given five bullets. Right. And that's all the ammunition that they have. And most of them, they walk around with guns, but the guns aren't even loaded with bullets because there aren't bullets to go around. So that's what you're saying is how many bullets they have. They've got five. Yep. No, it's 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 crazy. That's why you want to jump in there. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to jump in on this so-called racism that's going on. Yeah. Because um, my point of view or my way of thinking is that Zulu people or black people are looting stores. And then right. the other races, the Indians, the whites, they see that businesses in their areas are going under attack and then there's not, not enough police power to protect mm-hmm. their neighborhoods. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to be involved in, in one of these groups and say, for example, the white people of South Africa are the ones doing this mm-hmm. and I'm going to be stationed in a roadblock of course, I'm going to stop a white person from getting into my neighborhood and, se- and try to inquire what they are there for. What are you here for? Are you, what? You're trying to get fuel? Trying to get, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 I think that we're not being honest and we are 
taking things overboard because these people are trying to protect their neighborhoods. In mm -hmm. them doing so, the, the people who are causing friction, who are behind this, they have this skin color. And I'm sorry to say this, but these people have every right to question black people that are driving in and out of their neighborhoods. Whether they live there, if they live on their suburbs or they live in their neighborhood, that will be discovered upon the roadblock. But now mm -hmm. citizens are doing the police work themselves and it's inevitable that those type of things are going to happen. If it's racism, I'm sorry, but I do not agree with it. I, I see it yeah. as citizens protecting their area according to demo the demographic, the majority demographic that lives there. Well, it's why you make a very good, you, you make a fantastic point and thank you for your contribution. And let me just make a couple quick comments about that, that, uh, that go in line with what you're saying and, and, and I think make a, an articulate argument about this. So for instance, we get this nonsense in America that the police hunt down black men over here. And actually there's people in Africa. I know mm. black people in Africa, they're afraid to come to the States because they're where they're going to get shot by cops on arrival. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, no, but the cops are hunting black men. Okay, listen, if the police are hunting black men in 2019, because 2020 statistics are off the chart because of the nonsense happened last year, but 2019 is the most reliable. In 2019, there were approximately 1,000 Americans who died in a firearm engagement with a law enforcement official of any level, local, state, federal, in this country. Of the 1,000 people that were killed, 308 were black. And almost all black men. There were a few exceptions, and about six hundred or about five hundred were 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 whites. Now it's understandable that whites would be the overwhelming majority because whites are seventy six percent of the population in this country. So you know, all things being equal, mm -hmm. if you're going to have a thousand people killed by cops, it ought to be about seventy six percent ought to be white. But the reason why it's three hundred eight black men is uh, there's a manifest in two reasons. Most of these shootings occur in places where there's high crime, high violent crime which tends to be in largely all black neighborhoods. That's not a combination on black Americans. It's just a reality that some people unfortunately live in dangerous neighborhoods. And there's a variety of reasons for that. So these altercations occur in places where there's far more chances for encounters between violent black offenders and law enforcement, but you're not finding people getting shot in roars. So that's, the, you know, that that's, that's, that's goes along the lines here. Now, here's the other thing. You get this whole thing about driving while black here in America. Well, black men are disproportionately pulled over. Um, they're from a percentage of population since blacks only make up 13.5% of the total population in America. You do have a disproportionate percentage of black men who are pulled over, but where are these black men pulled over? That doesn't mean all black people pulled over aren't pulled over unjustly. Um, I've been pulled over unjustly on 30 occasions, and I've barely lived in America for the last 30 years. I've been overseas for 23 of those years, living in Africa and living in Europe. But I've been pulled over endlessly in the States without violating anything. I've been pulled over in Arizona. Why'd you pull me over? Well, you're driving, uh, you're driving too fast. I'm driving 70 in a 75 zone, and I was passed by traffic when the straight trooper pulled me over. He pulled me over because um, he could. You know why? Because I had out-of-state plates. I have been pulled over. I call it not driving while black, but driving while in the military because I didn't fit the profile. I was driving out-of-state. It's an opportunity to pull me over. And I've been pulled over 30 times by people in other states because I had state license plates that weren't from that state because I happened to be stationed there and I have a different state plate. So what's going on here is same thing. We have this nonsense of when 9-11 happened. In order to be politically correct, we didn't pull over people now as a former law enforcement official and counterterrorism or counterintelligence agent involved in counterterrorism there are profiles to most people doing these things there are exceptions to it but for instance most serial killers in america tend to be white males in a certain age group so you should be looking at white males not looking for black males normally but there are exceptions 
And the same thing happens when it comes to terrorism. There are profiles. And we started checking 80-year-old grandmothers of all races and shaking them down with body cavity searches while letting other people go through because we didn't want to offend a certain ethnicity. That's nonsense. And I think that's why that's kind of what you're going along with here. Something that's unusual, if you have a housing area that's 90% white and someone that no one recognizes happens to be black comes in, it's not racism. It's, it's, it may be bigoted against them because you're making an assumption, yeah. but that's not racist. A racist is somebody that thinks that one race is better than another, and then they take action because of that. So if you will, you know, bigotry is one thing, but uh, I think that what's why I was trying to get at is it's probably just a prudent measure on their part. and It's not racism. And in that standpoint, I agree. And it's the same thing with people being shot by police. The police, if the police in America are hunting black men, they are the least effective hunters on the planet. There are 23 million black men in America. And if they only manage to kill 308 every year with firearms, then they're not very effective. Now, that sounds pretty sarcastic, but you get my point. Anyway, so that was a great contribution. Thank you for that. Yeah, the pulling over, it's also similar here because um, I, remember, I remember when I went to a funeral in Eastern Cape, me and my brother. So we drove mm -hmm. from Cape Town to mm -hmm. Cape Town, Western Cape to uh, Mutata in Eastern Cape. And then I mm -hmm. recognized that we are being pulled over a lot in Eastern Cape. And when I asked my brother, like, you know, what's, why are we being pulled over a lot? And then he said, no, they picking up that our plate number is from yep. Cape Town. He had a CA. So yep. based on what you just said, uh, I think in Arizona or something, you were mm -hmm. from another state and stuff like that, it's inevitable cops are going to pull you over. And yep. in here, sometimes they're just looking for what we call a drink money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen, listen, so I, I got to tell you, I've... I've I've been pulled over numerous times, illegitimately, by the way, because I had diplomatic license place. But I've been pulled over in Northwest and in Haoteng by law enforcement officials at checkpoints when they had no justification for pulling me over. Um, and I've complied, but it's because my plate was they didn't recognize it. And then like I've a couple of times I've heard him come up and, and tell the, the cop that was coming up the window, hey, it's diplomat. You got to let him go. But they pulled me over because the plate was different when they let other people who had Northwest plates drive right by or how tank plates drive by. I get pulled over and singled out. And that's what diplomatic plates and diplomatic immunity. So, you know, it's people people look for offense. They look to be aggrieved and they want to blame it on because they're this way or they're that way. Our actions and our profile make us targets by law enforcement. Oftentimes they're trying to do their job, but sometimes they're corrupt the world over. And people need to recognize that. I got pulled over in Tunisia over 20 times in a week traveling trip around the country having Tunisian diplomatic plates. And um, a couple of times I actually had the audacity to try to shake me down for money. I was shocked because <laughs> there's very little corruption when it comes to police in Tunisia. But to try to get money from a diplomat, that's just that's just comical. I mean, are you serious? I mean, <laughs> it's just a diplomat. It's, it's just right on the car. But the problem is in Tunisia is I didn't have full diplomatic immunity. I had what's called PAT, Professional Administrative and Technical, which meant that I had certain privileges. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I couldn't just say diplomatic immunity. Um, so they would take advantage of pulling me over because they probably had a quota. They got to pull so many people over just to do checks to make sure things are kosher so people need to stop looking for reasons to be aggrieved and for ways that we can work together and i think we'll all be better off but lynn is vomiting what are you vomiting about is she really sick or is um is she upset about uh ramaposa's speech <laughs> chris no i want to uh, get in there with you and just yeah, say Paul. that uh people need to take it 
less serious if you get pulled over. I see when they pull me over when I'm in a different state or even on because I do contract work on farms. So if I get into a different region, a guy would often stop next to me and ask me where I'm from and everything. Mm-hmm. He's just checking to see that you're not causing trouble on in his region. And the same with the police. If they stop me and I didn't break the law, I don't mind. They check my license. They check that everything's up to date. And thank you, sir. And there you go. You mm-hmm. do get unfortunate circumstances some, sometimes. Uh, in South Africa, I think very few of us haven't been in that situation where we were uh, a bit insulted or uh, grieved by the officer because he didn't really handle us with respect or anything but mm-hmm. just just rub it off it's uh, if if you didn't break the law he can stop you and you can say listen here this is what i'm doing here this is where i'm from here you have my details everything and just move on it's it's not a race thing it's not a this thing and uh, um people make a too big of a deal about getting pulled over make a, I think, a lot of times yeah, people do make scenes. Yeah. No, I think I think the answer there, Paul, is is that um, it could be, but don't just make the assumption is just because you got pulled over. If the cop pulls you over and they're black, don't assume because because you're white and they're racist. If you're white and uh, if you're black and they're white, don't assume it's racist. Just get you know address the cop. Hopefully they're honest and not corrupt, and and just be polite and go from there. But folks, we're going to run out of time here because it always tells me that it's two hours is the max for the live stream on this, and then it cuts me off before the two hours. So what I want to do now is thank everybody who's listened to the stream. We've got 113 listens to this live stream, which is the best we've had for the All Things Africa podcast. I want to thank all of my, I guess I'll call you guests or contributors for jumping in with your comments tonight. And I'm going to go around the room. Um, Paul just got a chance to get in, but I'll give him another chance, and I'm going to pick people at random. And it's why I'm going to give you the last word, so don't disappear on me. Paul, any last comments before we get shut down here? No, Chris, no, nothing. Uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything you do, for the time you put in. And uh, I enjoy your channel very much. And uh, I'm very happy that uh, I got onto this as well now. It's my first time listening to you on this station. All right, Paul. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Um, we do these periodically. Um, I, I would think when things overwhelm me, I don't have enough time to devote to the podcast, but I don't forget about it. And the idea is to have once a week on the weekends. We'll eventually get around to that probably. All right. Thanks a lot, Paul. Uh, Cameron, any last thoughts? I just want to say thank you very much for keeping us all up to date with what's going on here in South Africa. I know not all, all of us are in the thick of it, but we all sitting, thinking of everyone that's sitting with this issue. And uh, I've been worried about everyone that has had to go and patrol and do guard duty and that kind of stuff, even as a civilian. So, yeah, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for everything that your other listeners have done. Really appreciate it. Awesome job. Well, thanks a lot, Cameron. I appreciate it. You may not be in the thick of it in South Africa, but everybody in South Africa is definitely in the cock. You're all going to have to deal with the supply chain disruptions. You're all going to have to deal with shortages of everything. Don't listen to the government. There's no shortage of fuel. That's horse manure. There's no way that there is a full supply of fuel. First off, they sold the strategic reserve off to a BEE corrupt company. 
Um, so that's gone. That no longer belongs to the government. So they can't call on the strategic reserve in South Africa. That's more fraud. We haven't talked about that. And in addition to that, uh, the pipelines have been shut down. The refinery has been shut down for several days now. So we're definitely not going to see no shortages. That's going to happen. And it's not just there. It's in Botswana. It's in Namibia. It's in Zimbabwe. It's in Malawi, Zambia. And everyone's going to pay for this. Mozambique too. So you're all in the cock. So um, get some freshener, air freshener, some deodorant, because you're going to need to clean the air for the next couple of weeks. Thank Thank you, Cameron. Okay, Erica, you're knackered, so I'm going to give you a chance to get out of here and get some rest. What's your comment? (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I am very knackered. Um, I just want to say, you know, as much as it's been destructive, and and I'm, I'm, well, I'm not looking at ashes here, but I know it's all around me. We can actually build up again. We'll probably build up differently. But uh, there definitely has been a change, and our community is uniting more and more towards each other, and that's very encouraging. So I, I don't think we should give up. Yes, we must hang in there. It's not over. I'm, I'm not too sure how much longer, but uh, we can do it, and uh, and we'll get through this. Erica, thank you very much. Go get some rest. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you. Am I signing in? very tired <laughs> no 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 just you need rest you, know, you can't you can't run 24 hours and let the battery expire so you need to get some rest i know you've been <laughs> on a lot of stress this week all right that's erica yeah, folks thank you chris you're welcome landon any last words yeah thank you chris um i just wanted to say i suppose uh, talking about the the failure with the police uh, i don't think it's something that we should be surprised about you know in the end um maybe with the the riots it just um puts a big magnifying glass on everything that's happening, right? So now you see the failures of not having ammunition, not having the DNA kits, not having so many things, but that's been the situation for quite a few years. Um, and I think, um, yeah, it's quite scary. Um, I, I know personally of some stories of, of stuff and crimes that have happened. And then in the end, people get away with the crime because there wasn't in that moment a DNA kit or they didn't have the proper DNA. And um, yeah, it's just a really scary uh, situation. So um, I don't think there's much surprise. You know, there's, there's so many things where um, things could have improved, um, but obviously, you know, it's not going to happen. So hopefully, you know, there's some hope, but uh, when I was younger, I was, uh, uh, and I'm still young, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, when I was younger, I was a lot more hopeful. You know, I remember in high school and stuff, and uh, I was very uh, left-leaning. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Not uh, I think a lot is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm still, I'm still a bit left-leaning. Uh, I still, uh, but uh, but I think a lot uh, has changed. You know, from from you know just what's happened, and I think it's a bit scary. So hopefully. Something can happen, but if people don't start standing up for themselves, and I'm happy what's happened in in uh, KZN, um, but if that doesn't happen more, I, I don't know. And it's a bit scary if you know people have to stand up for themselves because there's no leaders to do it, and uh, it's already. Um, and I, I just that's going to continue because we are going to. I mean, the next president is probably going to be David um, Mbuza. It's yeah. maybe and. Zuma's ex-wife, I mean, that's the other option, right? So, I mean, that's another five or ten years, right? So, um, I suppose it's a, it's a continuation of that. Yeah. 
but thank you chris i'll i'll enjoy watching the, the the live streams on youtube and stuff so yeah thanks man thanks a lot landon okay i'm down about the last uh 70 seconds here so andre you still there Andre, did we lose you? Uh, it looks like we may have lost Andre. It says he's still connected, though. Hey, uh, Zwei, are you still there for any last thoughts? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Chris, thanks uh, for what you're doing. Uh, I bumped into you by accident. And, yeah, I'm following your Facebook channel. And, yeah, I'll, I'll be pitching in every now and then, man, just to put my opinion, my point mm -hmm. of view. And regarding, regarding what's happening right now in the country, I think it's as bad as it is, it's a good learning phase for us to learn yeah. and be better prepared for tomorrow, even though it's not supposed to be happening uh, with the resources that right. we have. I have faith in Africa as a continent, and I do not want to see South Africa burn down because South Africa, I think it's, um, it's an important country for the whole African continent. And as long as we're doing good, there's faith that other countries can do good and we can uplift other countries and us in the making. Yeah, that's about it for me. Well, Zwei, thanks a lot. Andre uh, can't pop in, that's fine. So you got the last word as I promised, why it worked out. So thank you very much. Uh, go to my um, YouTube channel. You said Facebook, but follow me on YouTube at Chris White Africa, appreciate it. And um, I, I don't know a lot of Kosa, I know a few, um, uh, Unati Kwaza and a few others. And uh, the more Kosa that I get to meet and know, um, the more I seem to like. So thanks for popping on here, Zwei, I really appreciate it. It's kind of you to come in and share your views and thoughts. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the uh, All Things Africa podcast, talking about events unfolding in South Africa. We're almost out of time. Thanks for tuning in. Catch us here again or listen to the newscast and Daba African News of the Day. You can download it, get the uh, the application or watch it on that. Thanks a lot for your support for this channel and for your support for Chris White Africa on YouTube. And that's the end of the show, folks. We'll close out with a little bit of Trevor Donjene as the show closes. Thank you so much, folks, and have a lovely evening. listening to the All Things Africa podcast here. 
on All Things Africa on a lovely Friday evening, the 15th, 16th of July, 2021. Talk about events unfolding in South Africa. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Be sure to download the app or just follow us online and become a follower, subscriber to All Things Africa. We appreciate the support. This is Chris coming to you live from central Pennsylvania. Thanks a lot. And the lovely sounds of Trevor Donjane in the background. Have a good night. Be safe, folks, especially everyone out there in KwaZulu-Natal and Hao Tang. Catch you next time. God bless.